This Talking Flutes podcast is kindly sponsored by Trevor James Flutes, making life sound beautiful. You can show them some flute love by following them on Instagram at TJ Flutes, Trevor James Flutes on Facebook, and at trevorjamesflutes.com. Hello and welcome this week to Talking Flutes Extra with me, Jean-Paul Wright. Thank you for all your emails, especially on the subject of well-being and the happyflutist.com website, which, as you know, is a pet project of mine. There will be another guided meditation and how to make your own meditation podcasts coming soon. Right. Today, we have a very special guest in what I'm sure is going to be a multifaceted chat. I came across this gentleman purely by chance when I tuned in to one of his live interviews where he was speaking to the fabulous flute player Damari McGill on the subject of race. Societal awareness of race and inequality seemed to suddenly jolt awake after the death of George Floyd. It seemed that for the first time in my lifetime that we were beginning to have uncomfortable discussions about racial issues, white privilege, and as a white man myself, being faced with the undeniable facts that I have never in my knowledge been profiled by government authorities, the police or an employer based around the colour of my skin. This isn't something that we'll be discussing at length in this podcast. However, there are many videos, podcasts and books out there for people to educate themselves in this uncomfortable and yet vitally important conversation. I will, however, because he's with us today, be touching on this subject later. Today's guest, right, I'm delighted that he's managed to fit us into his uber busy early morning schedule, is Ridge Davis. To quote, the man responsible for keeping Hollywood trimmed and toned. It's often said that it takes 10,000 hours to become an expert in something. Well, this guy has clocked over 20,000 training hours and he's still counting. He's a highly sought after by high-profile clients and Hollywood's top executives. And you see, the thing is, Ridge prides himself on the fundamentals of fitness. And that's not just lifting weights, it's eating clean and then training dirty. And I love that idea, training dirty. From weightless to weight training, his training approach delivers substantial transformations by educating clients on fitness, nutrition and wellness to get you the results you've always dreamed of. As musicians and flute players, we often say that we don't have time to work out or our schedule is far too busy or I'm not the sort of physical exercise type of person. Yet, we understand and are so mindful of looking after our musical instrument, making sure that it is in its best working condition each and every day, sending it off for a regular COA and yet we forget the most important instrument that we will ever have our body. And do you know why today could be the beginning of a new you? It's because Ridge understands you. Hmm, interesting. Ridge understands you. And do you know why? Because he's an accomplished flute player himself. So I make no apologies for the long introduction to this wonderful positive musician, athlete and fitness trainer. Ladies and gentlemen, this is London Calling. This is London Calling. Welcome, Ridge Davis. Hi, Ridge. 
Hey, thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's so my, excited so, to be here. It's my pleasure. Do you know, it's great to actually see that you've got a top on. You're not flexing those muscles of yours at me. Yeah. <laughs> It's a pleasure to have you on, and I know your schedule is really very tight, and you start early every morning, don't you? Yeah, I usually start at about 4.30, 5 a.m. in the morning, um, and then my day ends around 7 p.m. So, yeah, but, you know, with time, I always say you can always make time for anything that's a priority for you, so. So your clients, are they sort of early morning starters, and then you have to get up and get them sorted? Yeah, so for me... um, I kind of prioritize getting my morning routine in. So that's pretty much why I wake up so early. So my first client is at 7 a.m. most of the time. And then I usually like to spend an hour and a half to kind of really prime my mind and um, warm up my body. And then I'm ready to serve my clients. So that's kind of, that's the, re- the reason why um, I have such an early start because if my body and my mind is in the right place. There's no way... I can serve and help someone else. So, but yeah, to answer your question, um, most of my clients are from 7 a.m. all the way till like 3 p.m. Well, thank you so much for juggling your early morning schedule, LA time, to speak to me. There may be 5,437 miles currently between us. However, before we jump in to what some would regard as the painful bit, exercise, Mm. And reinterpreting, oh, no. yeah, <laughs> and reinterpreting <laughs> one's attitude because that's ultimately what you do. I've watched what you do. You reinterpret people's attitude, inner and outer attitude, to making our lives better. Can we take a trip back in memory down memory lane, please? Yeah, let's do it. All when right. did you start playing the flute and why? Uh, so I started playing flutes. Well, it's an interesting story. I started on piano when I was about five years old. And then I, I like hated it. And then a year later, my mom had a, like a just a, a garbage flute in, the, in her um, closet. And I picked it up and I was like making sounds and it was really natural and I loved it. And then so um, I played around with it. And then four years later, um, in fifth grade, they have beginning band. And I was like, oh, I, I already got this picked out. Flute it is. And I love it. And also, too, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. I think it was in 1996, they had the Olympics in Atlanta. And they I remember there was a big orchestra playing. And I can't remember because I didn't know the repertoire at the time. But I just remember really big flute solo that someone was playing. And I was like, oh, my gosh. It was so beautiful. But there was like some virtuosity in there as well. So from that point on, I remember, yeah, this I, I, I want to sound like that. So I started in first grade as starting with flute and then um, just took it from there. And did the flute come naturally to you? I think so. It, it just—I was—I felt I felt passionate practicing and playing it. And I mean, I put in the work for sure. But I think once you're joyful and passionate about something, you kind of forget about the work. You're really you're just playing around, experimenting with different sounds and what you can do. So I think in that way, yeah, it came the the joy and passion for it came naturally. And not only did you major in it, you went on to Coburn to study with Jim Walker, didn't you? I did. I oh, did. What was it like to study with the fabulous guy that is Jim Walker? Oh, uh, Jim Walker was amazing to study with. He was super chill, down to earth, but very, very focused and brings out the best in you. And yeah, he's no, no messing around, but he's like, he's very much so a flute father figure and mentor for sure. Is it because 
Jim has done everything from orchestral player through to film music, through to jazz with his free flight. Everything he does, he's not pigeonholed, is he? You know, he definitely isn't. And that's something that really inspired me about him. It's just how many different facets of music he was accomplished in and did quite, not quite, really, really well. So, and that was always something that he was pushing on his students to look. I mean, we were obviously training for or orchestra auditions, but he would always push us to try studio recording, try jazz, look into look into different avenues of music because um, it just makes you a well-rounded musician and a well-rounded person. So you finish with Jim. You finish at Coburn. When or was there a defining moment when you decided to become Ridge Davis, the fitness guru, or was it a gradual thing? Uh, you know, it was a gradual thing. So I've been in fitness pretty much my whole life alongside music. So they've kind of grown with me to get uh, simultaneously. So I remember even in um, first grade when I started, you know, really getting into flute, um, or that I was also, you know, competitive with track and field. Um, and I was doing that simultaneously. So I guess I can, you can say I was really balancing the dichotomy of fitness and music simultaneously my whole life and it just became a part of me um but and even going into high school and college i i really got into i mean i competed in a couple of bodybuilding competitions while competing with <laughs> orchestra auditions um so it's like those two aspects of my life have been parallel so let's do let's drill down to the basics here and i'm going to ask the listeners to do something very unusual now i want you to pause the podcast now and check out the pics of Ridge Davis, as in R-I-D-G-E-D-A-V-I-S, on Instagram, or visit ridgedavis.com. And I'll give you a moment to do this, but make sure you come back. <laughs> Welcome back. And for those of you who have cheated, who have just carried on with the podcast rather than pausing, then you'll not have a pictorial understanding of the baseline we're going to start with. Physique. We all know the posture of flute players and we're all told how to stand, how to stand to get the music out, how to stand to breathe correctly. And really, there is no getting around it. Ridge, you're a phenomenal physical Adonis. And when I put up on Instagram that I was doing a podcast with you today, after 130 podcasts in total so far, I've never had a response like it. Swoon and hearts all over the place. And some comments were, I wish. Now, your physique, oh. yeah, I know, your, your physique has obviously been finely honed after many years through specific training and dietary intake. I look at your online pics and see much pain will have been felt in the process of getting to where you are today with your body. What I also see is the well-being and happiness that looking after what you put into your body and how you exercise determines how you feel. You know musicians, you know flute players. Our goals and stresses seem to us very different to your celebrity and high-achieving clients. So let's now drill down to the starting point. The first step, the motivation. The stage is yours, Ridge. I'm a flute player. I've got no time. Yeah, so I, would, I always start with this with my clients and saying that your mindset is very, very, very important, right? And I think the main difference between successful people in any avenue in terms of reaching their goals is 
having the belief that they know they can, right? That's the first start. If you go into any sort of goal or, you know, mission and you're doubting yourself or you're like, uh, you know, I don't, I can't, you know, I, I don't have time or my eating, I can't do this. And all these no's and can'ts, then you're going to manifest that. And that's not that you're going to make that a, a belief, right? So just, know, you know, making the effort, stepping out of your comfort zone and just trying it, you know, you have nothing to lose. So that's, part, that's step one. It's just saying that you can, and this is going to happen. No questions about it. Listen, I was like a flute player. I was really skinny and I never thought before I got into it that I would be above kind of like strong physique. But I told myself, you know, listen, I just, just as I do with putting in effort towards like learning a really difficult piece, you know, just do it a day at a time, set smaller goals, right? And and believe that you can. Um, and it's and, and then you kind of like blink and you're just like, after like maybe two or three years later, you're like, wow, I did that. So I always say just start off with the belief of yes, you can. I always say yes, I can, yes, I will, as like a model for myself. Um, and then two, uh, just putting in the consistent effort, smart effort, right? So whether that be, you know, using your resources smart, right? So if you don't have a budget to hire a trainer, if you don't have a budget to go to a gym, you know, there's so, especially in this day and age, there's so many resources available to you, you know, whether going online or, or reading about different training programs. And that's honestly how I, when I probably around seventh or eighth grade, how I really, um, I learned a lot just through self-exploration. Right. I would read through so many like fitness articles, fitness magazines, articles on how to do specific things for your body. I would try it out in the gym. Oh, this works. Oh, this doesn't. And I really learned my body that way. And I think it was too because as musicians, we're already pretty kinesthetic, especially flute players, in terms of how we feel our body to get a certain result. Right. So we know like with flute, like if you have your lip plate too high or too low, or if it's too rolled in, too rolled out, it's going to create different timbres with your sound or make it easier, harder, sharper, intonational change. Same thing when, when you're doing exercises. Your body can get manipulated in different ways, whether you're doing, let's say, a push-up, right? And if your hands are too narrow, you're going to get work more of your triceps. Hands are too wide. You'll get your chest, but it may be a little bit harder. And there's always uh, different modifications. So it's just learning, you know, just spending some time to do some research there and being um, well-informed. And then three, it's just have fun with it, you know, and not take it so seriously as if, you know, one day, because honestly, even with uh, a lot of my celebrity clients, I'll track their their weight, you know, and some of them on a daily basis. And you'll see the some of my biggest transformations. It's not just a straight shot of like, oh, we went from point A and then uh, gradually progressed to point B there's always some ups and downs and it's not, you have to come to the, come to terms that your journey isn't going to be perfect, right? You're going to have ups and downs. And I always go into, well, with practicing for sure. And then my clients as well. Okay. So what troubles do I predict that are going to happen and how am I going to deal with it? You know, because that's really how you um, come to face with adversity is really, really important. And I think, as musicians, we come across that all the time, right? So we always have, you know, performances that are better than others. And we always go back to the tool shed and look at how we can do it better. But not in a destructive way, but more so a constructive way of just improving. And that's what, honestly, what I love about fitness, because it's just that same mindset of, okay, because honestly, with me, my physique is what it is. But 
you're never really happy with it. Like I, I'm even, I have my own little goals in terms of what I want to do with my own physique. And it's not really a destination. It's just that I just enjoy the process of seeing my body change, seeing my, not even aesthetically, but my performance, how strong I can be on certain movements, how quick I can move. And it's the same with, I keep making these parallels, but it's the same with music, right? A lot of times it's not like, with me, when you're playing, it's not just on how you sound. It's just like what you can do, what, how you can express how you feel, what emotions you can get through, or you know some passages that you couldn't do before. You're like, oh wow, I, I, I can I can do that. <laughs> so um, yeah, so that's kind of that's kind of the uh, an abridged version of the process. So, but we're all shapes and sizes. And you, you're the clients you will get, whether celebrity or uh, industry clients, will also come all shapes and sizes. How do you yeah. get somebody to accept who they are as a starting point and then to visualize? Do you get them to visualize how they want to be or do you just get them to love what they are now? And so that it's a gradual process of developing themselves. That's a, that's a great question. Um, it varies. Because the start, it's all perception, right? Mm. In terms of a client may, I have one client where when she first started with me by, you know, especially LA standards, she was very like fit. And like, you would think like, why is she working with, you know, why is she, why does she need a trainer? Da, da, da. But what you find out is like, you know, there's, there's always another level. And from her perspective, she was like, oh my God, no, I'm like, this is uh, the heaviest I've been and I want to be leaner. Da, 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 da. And so you have to respect people's perception of themselves. But I always take it in terms of, well, number one, what's your, what's your health, right? So are you, are you predisposed to any sort of like heart condition, stroke or anything like that? Uh, or do you have high blood pressure? And no matter what your size is, because I always say your physique can hide a lot too in terms of what's going on internally with your body. So I always start off with like, what's your, what's your health status first? You know, are you, are you really healthy though? And what's your eating like? Is your eating, are your eating habits on point? Because if they aren't now, eventually you're going to have to change it. So it's better to, uh, to get started with it sooner than later. So that's where I start. And then eventually you just see, I always, what's the eye opening for people is I always take photos of everyone for like a front profile, three quarter and back. Right. And then I take their circumference measurements around um, essential parts of their body. So like their torso, leg, arm, chest, et cetera. And then that's usually, honestly, they like I've had clients that start and they fight me over. No, 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 no. I don't know. No, we, we can do it later. Uh, well, why, why later? They're like, no, when I look better, I'm like, but don't you, but we need to see, we need to accept and see what we're starting with, you know? So, um, so that's a big part of my process to really get the client in, into the now and like really just accepting where they are. And it's not really, a, 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 it's not meant to demean them, obviously, but they, they always thank me later when they see the before and after. They're like, wow, I didn't even realize it was that bad, you know. So. There's an honesty in that, isn't there? You're getting them to be honest where they're starting from. And to do that, it yeah. is measuring, isn't it? It is. Well, it's all, I mean, I honestly, I mean, trainers, should, a lot of trainers don't do that, but they should. But it's similar to musicians that are listening to this. Ask them, do they really record themselves when they're practicing on a daily basis, you know, or even on a weekly basis? Probably 80% of musicians don't. 
And that's the biggest limiting factor in their growth. So I think record documenting yourself is essential to in order for you to grow, no matter what it is. And the hit. You've done the physical exercise. You go back, you shower, and you pick up your instrument. Tell me, Rich, yeah. <laughs> what does that feel like? <laughs> and really, because ultimately, you're doing it because you, a, you want to be healthy. And in my case, I want to live yeah. longer, live longer. I'm that, I'm that age now where, you know, I have to be very sensitive on what I consume and also my physical health. Mm. Because at a certain age in your life, you, you, it could be stressful. Your life could be stressful. There could be issues within that leads to um, other, as you've, you've already said, building up a personal profile and history. So what's it like when you have that hit, when you pick up that flute? Do you just feel, wow. I mean, anytime I pick up my, my flute, I just feel, I feel capable and strong and just ready to, to express joy, you know? And it's like, it's a passion and it's a, it's an instrument, a tool that that's like no other in terms of just really releasing. Because I always say exercise and music are just the, for me, the yin and the yang, right? And, but there, it's a symbiotic relationship. What I found it's mind blowing to me that people haven't connected the two before. Mm. With music, it's more so, obviously, it's a, it has an athletic perspective as well, but it's more so, it's very refined and minute in terms of the detail you have to give to it. But it's more so, you're focusing on your breath. It's more meditation, expressiveness, really imaginative, right, with the music. But it's like the arts and crafts. It's kind of that kind of um, analogy. Whereas fitness is actually analytical as well, but it's your strength, right, and how well you can get your your mind connected to your body connected to your to your movement and motivate yourself through that and it, it translates into to instrument or your instrument flute playing you know because if your body isn't strong enough to to maintain the phrase or to even you know maintain proper posture you're not going to you're not going to make it and i i'm proud to say that i've never had an injury at all whether it be through fitness or as a flutist because actually i would say i've known a lot of musicians that have awful injuries almost just as bad as like people that have overuse injuries in the gym you know and it's just really knowing how to knowing your body but being smart with your training right not overdoing it but i think with musicians it's a matter of them not having enough strength in all the muscles in their body right so like with flute players you know we hold it asymmetrically anyway so we're already rotated so you hold it with your left hand in front. Your your left chest is going to be chronically tight all the time if you're holding that for if you're practicing like four four to six hours like I was per day. And then your back, this is going to be internally rotated a little bit too. These muscles are going to be tired, but then these muscles are going to be you know weaker. So you're already going to be offset, right? And then take into account your wrists. But if you know if you were doing you know bicep curls or rows or a lot of back work you wouldn't have that issue, you know, because your body would just naturally hold it and your shoulder, your traps would be disengaged. And that's why it's so bizarre to me that there hasn't been a real intersection of strings training and, and um, music specifically, because it, it's, it goes, it's, it'll help your flute playing beyond, beyond means. It's similar to my female clients. They're scared of either bulking up or getting injured, but there's so many... If you're doing it smart, it's not training heavy, it's training smart. So even with saying doing like a press or a push-up, you know, just being smart with it, you know, knowing what muscles need to be engaged, 
what your shoulder blades need to be doing, what your abs need to be doing. And it's honestly, as musicians, we can manage that information though because we think about so many things at once <laughs> when we're playing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so learn, focusing on three to four different things is, should be nothing. So, so when you were studying, say you were studying with Jim and you know that inner voice that talks to you and gets you stressed about things. When, as you mm-hmm. were already very involved in physical exercise, when you went out and did your exercise, how was the transformation, the inner voice transformation when you came back to start practicing again? You know, when you exercise, your body re- releases, you know, serotonin and dopamine and it really calms you down and it really reduces your stress level and blood pressure quite a bit, right? So whenever I would work out, and that's why I always try to move in the morning, my my energy and my kind of disposition is very calm, but like, but focused. So when I come back to playing or I'm starting my like scales or tone exercises, I'm like so focused. My The, the voice in my head is just like, you got this, it's there. Because when you're working out, you're, you create a sensitivity to your body and the muscles that are working that when you come back to playing flute you're that much more fine-tuned to it in terms of like is is my diaphragm really expanding or am i really how's my stance am i really using my pelvic floor like i should you know and supporting this freight you know so that's the biggest difference i noticed but in terms of like the inner voice yeah it just it's significantly less because i'm already at a calmer state after working out because think about it, you're putting your body through so much stress already when you're working out that you're not going to bring to be at that like high level of stress when you're performing, you know? So you're already, you're kind of doing the worst for yourself. So when you do something else, it's not as bad. It's very easy and very doable. For me, it's a no brainer. It, if we put as much effort into our, into our physical well-being as we do with our scrolling finger on social media every day. Oh it, my gosh. Yeah. yeah it would not only transform our physical health, but transform our flute playing. But it always takes that first step. There'll be many people here that say, I can't, I'm the wrong shape, it's not for me. Do you need to have an access to a gym or equipment to take that first step? No. And I would say too, for people that are just starting out of the blue, I recommend not even, unless you're going to hire a trainer or somebody to monitor you. But no, I would say the best thing to do is look up isometrics and really start out with um, different body positions and holding your body. So an isometric move is where you're holding a position and the muscles aren't contracting or releasing. They're just staying in one um, state. So uh, think about it like a plank is an isometric move, right? Where you're just holding the top of a push-up position. And while you're there, you're going to feel different muscles move. But I want you to think about contracting your legs, your glutes, your abs and see how that see what that feels like just to really that's the best way to learn your body or can you roll your shoulders back and hold that even with a squat you know when you're coming down you know look up good squat form on google or youtube and then try to emulate that emulate good form through research and this and like i said it's a comparison between music again but it's kind of like when you learn a new piece right so you're learning what the uh, song comes on a team right and you have no idea you know what how to phrase it or you just you how, how to approach it but you just okay i'll see how emmanuel pahu does this or i'll see how paul robeson does this and then, oh, okay now i got it and then you come into your own with it it's the same with exercise you see what the form is see what other people are doing 
And then you're like, oh, that's what it is? Okay. And then feel it in your body. And then you're going to say, oh, well, actually, when I do this, for me, it feels much better and it feels like I'm engaging the muscle better. And that's all it is. Well, what's interesting to me is you personalize everything. And same with flute playing. We can't all be Pahoods. We can't be Dennis Buryakovs, Paul Ella Robisons, Paul Edmund Davis. We can't be these people. We have to focus on ourselves and what we can be. So therefore, when yeah. they look at you on internet and other people that really look after their bodies it can be aspirational but it can also be the motivation that whilst you can't be a buryakov or a pahud you can get to a level and this exciting i mean i say who says you can't though <laughs> you know i think no for i mean i because i think all stems from that belief of like listen my mom always told me nothing is diff- you know everything is easy it's just you haven't found the right way to do it yet Right. So you have to tell yourself that because everything is doable. Everyone is human. Everyone. I mean, everyone has different little advantages. Yes. But there's nothing that you can't do that no one else can do. Right. Um, and that's kind of my belief, because, you know, I think Dennis Briarkoff, he started young. He had like a lot of hours and he had a lot of diligent training. Now, you can you can get there, too, if you do the same things. Right. You're just choosing not to. It's not that you your body, you, you physically can't. Right. Ah, you've got so it there. Always, you've got it there. You choosing not to. You're not choosing to put the same effort yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. Kind of bothers me. People say like, oh, it's, it's like you can't do. I can't do that. Yes, you can. You're just you, right now. You're choosing not to for whatever reason it may be. And I respect the reasons that may you know, may not want to, but you you can. We all have this ability to do it. So really, we can take motivation from looking at your physique and other trainers physiques and say we put the same amount of effort in we look after our bodies yes our bodies will change it will look quite different because we may be different setups but we can get there yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. i would be remiss if i was just like i'm like well I, yeah because there's no way i could would be a trainer if i was just like okay well you can do this but you can only get this far you know i believe everyone has the, and that's how i look at my clients um it's like getting to that level you know whether they see it or not that's the standard i hold mm-hmm. to because a lot of times your uh, standards change that's just being a human right so you think okay i'm here okay say when you get there you're gonna just stay there and just be complacent no i think as humans we're always wanting more wanting to be better and once you get a, a taste of like oh wow that's what it's like okay now i'm gonna try to do a little bit more and then it builds and that's how uh-huh. um i think the greats become the greats that they are you know, it's just like a mountain that they keep climbing. It's not just one day they're like, I will, you know, it just magically turns on for them. They, they see it, they believe it. And then they put, and because they believe it, they put in the work that needs to be in and make the sacrifices. And don't do it on the 1st of January. You can start now. You can start oh my God. any day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 100 100 but even like so with fitness just set small goals for yourself right and see how they feel drink more water try to cut out um, if you know what things you're allergic to try to cut those out try to eat more protein that's very very critical for uh, body processes things like that you know or maybe cut things for sure processed sugars things like that candy eating at certain times there's always some goals you can make week over week and then they always build up on top of each other you just have to hold yourself accountable to it goes without saying that your what you're imparting here is achievable by every single person listening to this whatever the size whatever age you are as ridge says don't let anything put you off start 
You can start yeah. today. You can start tomorrow. And small steps, baby steps. But well, and I'll add this too. Like it's not even just. I mean, obviously, you have you know your mental mindset and talk is important. But then even when you start changing and things, because it's a lifestyle thing. Even with flu, but uh, more so with fitness, it's so much a lifestyle. So things are going to change in your life. Where like certain people that you were with, or certain things that you would normally do, you're going to have to. Cut. And I wouldn't say think of it as a negative way, like you're cutting out of your life, but it's just you're evolving and it's not serving what your goals are at that moment. And that's that's probably the hardest part of it, this, the, the social aspect of it, because you realize how many unhealthy habits are out there that you have to come to face with. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact that not only your passion, but something in essence that is good for us can ultimately make you happy oh yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely i mean that's why I, mean, I wouldn't be doing it if i didn't love it and if it didn't make me feel good i want to share with others you know we can't move on without talking about your website because after we have had this conversation you have a new subscriber in myself especially because <laughs> because i don't have access to a gym there's there's parts in there where you don't have to have a, uh, equipment so that is fabulous right. and i want to you know i want to be able to say i train with ridge davis um <laughs> nah. tell, tell me about the web the website and the subscription packages packages available because as I said, we spend a lot of time on our mobile phones. We spend a lot of time mm-hmm. uh, with fast food, with uh, takeaway coffees, but we don't invest a little bit of what we spend in the local coffee shop on our well-being. That's true. That's true. That's true. Well, I have a, it's a little platform, a playbook app where you can get, I have all my training programs available. So if you just sign up, it's, a, it's on the app. And then there's, I think, four different programs. So you have, there's a program for if you want to do strength training. There's a program for a basic level of just like body weight and really learning your body. There's a toning program, abs, legs, arms. So every everything is there and you just sign up for that. I think it's, I'm not sure how, what it is in pounds, but it's, uh, I think the first month is $199 for US dollars. And then, <laughs> and then, um, and then after that, I think it's $16 per month. But with each program, it has me doing demonstrations of each, each exercise, clear details on the reps and sets and exercise description. So you're it's pretty much training with me, but you know, I'm just handing you the program. Sorry, Rich, did you say $16.99 a month? Three lattes, yeah. three <laughs> cappuccinos per month. I, that's <laughs> it. And then all the programs are about six weeks long so so you're you're good for a month and a half oh well you've got me yeah. you've got me and i'm also going to say oh and also too i forgot to say as well there's also a um, nutrition component on there as well so if you in terms of like guidelines for nutrition and what i usually do for my clients to set up their nutrition well i'm going to jump in and i'm going to take an annual subscription out because I don't want to be a coward and take the month and then not carry on. I'm a bit a bit obsessive. Oh. And I'm going to take the annual one out. I can forego three cappuccinos per month. Yeah, that's all it is. That's really all it is. <laughs> so that's richdavis.com and then just follow all the um, information on there, isn't it? Yeah, it's richdavis.com. And then if you just click on uh, train virtually, it'll take you right to how to sign up. And if you want to have a private trainer... A, you'll have to get in the queue because Ridge is a very busy person. But 
Always email me. <laughs> and I will say he is a very approachable guy. Uh, he, he reached out when I sent him a message, and uh, I do appreciate that. And again, transfer. Yeah, and I always say if anyone has any questions about fitness and nutrition, you can always email me at, um, at ridge at ridgedavis.com as well. And I usually respond back to, to most uh, queries as well. So let's move on to the important subject of what, something we mentioned earlier, race. How yeah. do you view what has happened in the last few months? Uh, you know, when the, at least with the George Floyd killing, it was, and seeing that video was devastating. But at the same time, it wasn't anything, unfortunately for me, that was new. Um, because I've, I've, I've um, not seen but heard, that's happened a lot in the area where I live, in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, so it's not something new, but to see it actually happen. And then there was a lead up to it too, because I think there were two other events prior to yeah. that, but they were a little bit ambiguous in terms of what really, really happened. But this was just a very explicit like death. Um, so it's, it's really sad, but honestly, I love the, the, the black lives matter movement that came out of that. And just like how everyone really came together and kind of because I feel like injustice has been there and I feel that black people or minorities, minorities have tried to express this to white people and it just never really got received or it just got brushed off. Like, no, you're just, you know, you're just sensitive and yada, yada, yada. So it really, it's heartening to know that like, okay, now people are taking this seriously and that it's actually a really big, you know, issue, systemic racism and racism and um, inequality in general. Have you felt any biases in the music industry and also in the athletic industry you now live in? Oh, I mean, what, absolutely. Absolutely. Like my whole life. Uh, but it's it's interesting because when I, as I grew up, it was something that I didn't really realize. A lot of the things that happened to me, I didn't realize until afterwards when I was younger. And then as I got older, I was like, oh my God, here it is. But honestly, as a black man, you just really you just you're just adapt you're i've adapted to it so a lot of times when i react to things it's just out of like instinct i don't really think about it if that makes sense oh, i just kind of register like oh this this is just this is just ignorance i'm just gonna blow it over because a lot of times uh i think black people are kind of stereotyped as like being aggressive and angry and like coming at you and so my thoughts were like i can't you know if something happens i can't really I don't want to get into a verbal altercation with this person because they're going to think I'm just fitting that stereotype. So a lot of times I would just try to communicate with someone to ha- let them have the realization or just kind of just let it go type of thing. How do we keep this conversation going? And do you think we've reached a point yet where this can't go away now? You know, this thing is too big to simply disappear behind the next big thing that comes up in the news. I mean, listen, I, everything is so sensitive now. It's kind of, it's irritating that everything's so racially sensitive now, but it's it's important. Um, but I think it's important to keep the conversation going and just educating yourselves. And I would say more so educating because instead of, if you have close friends that are black, ask them. But I think, I know for me, I'm like, <laughs> when people ask me about it, I'm like so like, I don't want to say over it, but it's just exhausting at this point now. Mm. Because one, we live it. And so to have to explain it. And I'm happy to talk to you about it now, obviously, but I'm just saying in general, uh, we live it. And so when we have to talk about it, we have to kind of almost relive those experiences and try to communicate it. 
And I think a lot of times, I know for me, there are experiences that I've like, that I've repressed. So to kind of, it's almost like every time I have to, t- have to talk about it, it's a therapy session. It is. Uh, <laughs> I remember when you were talking to Damari, it was, it was something that, you know, what was quite eye-opening is that you were sort of talking yeah. and smiling to yourself as, yeah, it happens every day. You know, I'll walk down the street with my yeah. flute case, with my flute in my case, and I'll get looked at as, hey, what's in that? Yeah, well, you know, I think it's different because I think we're communicating through like a shared experience. So it's, it's kind of, you know, when you do that with, with anything, it makes it fun to yeah. kind of like, oh my God, yeah, I get you, get you. But then when you're communicating with someone, it's like telling a story or retelling a story of something funny that happened to someone else that wasn't there, doesn't know the person. Mm-hmm. And then you're trying to retell that story, but they're just like, uh, okay. And it's just like, it's like, feels like a waste of energy. And you're like feeling happy and like, oh my God, this was so funny. And then they're like, yeah, it was kind of funny. So it's kind of, it feels like that sometimes when you're, at least when I'm explaining mm. uh, different things that have happened to me, because you can explain it to the T with the best storytelling, but it really won't. I feel like it's hard to translate it. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, what came over to me when you, again, when you're speaking to Damari is the everyday nature. And the thing, the reason that you were both smiling about things it was the thing that I probably found most shocking is the things that you felt, <laughs> the things that were happening and, you know, in, in your lifetimes and what's actually happened. And the reason you were flippant yeah. is because it seemed to be sort of a natural occurrence. Yet for me, looking at that, it was good grief. Right. Well, I think I've come to learn that, I mean, with racism, it's pretty much there's different types of it, but blatantly just ignorance. People don't know. And I've come across people that, like, I, you know, I adore and love and they, they'll say things that are just like, oh my gosh, you know, I mean, there's versus someone that's like, you know, really like coming hard at you to make, to hurt you, you know? So I think it's just, you know, coming from a place of understanding on both ends is like, is my biggest thing. Understanding that, you know, they just don't know and they're ignorant to it. And then just having a conversation, educating each other, you know, and me and them understanding my situation as well. I mean, I would say even like a simple in the, I remember I did my undergrad at the New England Conservatory of Music, and that's actually where I studied with Paula, and um, there's a jazz department there, and I remember all the time when um, I would practice there, and I had my flute, and I was there like late, and there, I guess there was a, there were two concerts going on, there was the, the uh, I think the, the orchestra was playing and then a jazz combo was playing and then i was just walking down leaving and then a guy was just like oh wait are you performing tonight and i was like oh no no not performing he's like oh i thought you were gonna i thought you were in the jazz oh, no, down yeah. there and i was like no he's like well you play flute right i was like yeah and he was just like well what are you doing here and i was like i go to school here and i play in the orchestra and he was like Oh, so it's like, it's, and, and that's like not, that's happened so many times where it's just like, you know, if you're a black flute player, you're automatically um, a jazz, with jazz flute player, which there's no problem with that whatsoever. It's just, you know, it's going back into that categorization of like what certain people should be doing. Yes. Yeah, and I think for me, that's what, yeah, but for me, I feel like I'm like a living person that breaks off all the stereotypes so i've i've kind of grown up like fighting not fighting but just like living past that because and it's something that damari spoke of too is i think once you do something well and with excellence you know i think 
people look past those stereotypes and those differences because they're like, oh my gosh, he, but you know, he, it, it is a little different, but like, he's really good at what he does. And that's pretty much through high, like middle school and high school. That's honestly how I feel like I didn't really get teased or anything for being a guy playing flute because people were just like, at first they're like, oh yeah. And then they're, they would hear me play or like see like articles of me doing like winning a concerto competition or playing with the symphony and they were like, oh yeah, but he's like really good. And like, uh, but then also too, you know, I was also pretty, I was like really talented with athletics as well. So it's, like, <laughs> so it's like, so I think if you, so that my, my thing is just like, if you do, do things with excellence and full heartedly, people, you know, don't really have room to judge. And if they're judging you, it's more so out of their issues of insecurity versus you in general. Now, I said at the opening of the podcast that there are so many books and videos out there on the subject of race. I can personally recommend these as beginning the process of opening my ears and eyes. And I believe it's incumbent mm. upon us all to actually take this opportunity in time to open our ears and eyes. Whilst we'll never understand what it's been like or what it is like and continues to be like for black people what we can do is yeah. not be ignorant of what is going on. So in books I can recommend is Why I No Longer Talk to White People About Race by Rennie Edo Lodge. <laughs> White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo. And there's a brilliant audio book called Me and White Supremacy, How to Recognize Your Privilege, Combat Racism and Change the World. And for me, it was... Even at my age, you know, we, we can't stand back when things like this happen and the world, seeing the world come together and not be ready to call people out, not to understand that, you know, I've actually grown up with white privilege. I can see now that I've been, doors have opened because of who I am. I've never had to walk down the street at night wondering whether I'm going to get stopped in a car. I've never driven a car in an area and wondered whether I'm going to get stopped by the, the police. So for me, it is understanding, trying to understand and open my eyes to societal biases and, you know, and hope and only hope that one day there will be a time when everybody comes together and, you know, we don't see colour. We just, and that includes governmental authorities, that includes the police, and that includes us at school, college, in orchestras, in all walks of life that we end up just being human beings and one day it will happen and if the death of George Floyd begins the global narrative then whilst that was horrible to witness and whilst there's other injustices that have been gone on for hundreds of years like starting your body rejuvenating your body rich it everything mm. starts with one point and if That's going right. forward we can change the way we think about things, change the way we think about race. And whether you think you're, you have a racial bias or not, if you start reading and educating yourself, I think you'll be shocked that there is biases with there, within yourself. And, mm -hmm. and really use everything as the first step. Ridge has been very eloquent in how transforming your life can start at any point whether musically or for physical education, for well-being. And ultimately, if you look at Ridge, you'll think what a 
hunk of a specimen he is. But most importantly, when you see him, he's always smiling. And there must be a correlation between his lifestyle and happiness. And so all I can say, and I've spoken a lot, Ridge, is thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you so much for having me. This was such a great conversation. It really is my pleasure. I've been so excited to do it because because there are many things in life we can't take control of. And there are many things Mm. that we can take complete ownership of. What we eat and how we ensure that we keep ourselves physically active, whatever body shape we have. As musicians, it's a win-win. We not only feel better, but we will become so much more in tune and focused with our music, our study, and ultimately our happiness. Rich is your man. And I want to say this too. And I want to say this too, in terms of like, when you're doing things, just bring the, come from a place of joy and gratefulness. Because a lot of times I think people take for granted their health and their, their ability just to move, you know, to be able to walk, to be able to do things with your body. So I always approach when, you know, they, because I honestly have days too, where it's just like, oh my God, I do not want to work out today. But I come from a place to like, listen, I like live in this beautiful city. I can able to move my body, able to walk. I'm able to like, you know, have a flute to play, have a, a place to work out. Like, and just come, if you come from a place of gratefulness, your whole mindset will change in terms of what you think is um, an issue. <laughs> I love that coming from a place of being grateful. I mean, that is such a beautiful starting point. And you see, the thing is, Ridge is your man. He's a fellow flute player and a musician who understands even the reluctances that you haven't even thought of yet in transforming your life now, today. Because there has to be that starting point. It's not the 1st of January, because everybody knows 1st of January, people start and then they drop off. As Ridge said, break the mould. Start today, start tomorrow, but start and that first step, ridgedavis.com. And make sure you also follow him on Instagram at Ridge Davis. For the price of a couple of takeaway coffees, you really can reboot your inner and outer self. And ultimately, you as a musician, and I'm going to hold you to this, is that I'm going to, in a year's time, I'll put up a picture of me and I'll, I'll put it next to yours. And then we see, I know, I know you've got, <laughs> I know you've got years and years on me, but just to see whether an old guy can actually get a decent shape. Oh, yeah. Um, No doubt. No doubt. (laughs) Thank you so much, Ridge. Thank you so much. Bye, guys. I'm off now to sign up and subscribe and to take charge of how I feel and to ultimately live a little bit longer. May your week ahead be musically fulfilling and your piccolo playing not scare too many magpies. Goodbye. Talking Flutes and Talking Flutes Extra are podcast productions by the Trevor James Flute Company. For more information, visit trevorjamesflutes.com.